You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 46, the Bible says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people... Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they call the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And received his sight, and followed Jesus in the way. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. While you're seated, if you'll hold your place in Mark 10, and uh, turn with me to Luke 18. Luke 18 is the uh, parallel passage uh, of this story. And in Luke 18, uh, it's almost word for word. There's a few things that are um, a little bit different, give us a little bit of insight. But I want you to see what it says in Luke 18. And where did I just put There they are. You ever, you ever do that? You ever lose something that you had in your hand 30 seconds ago? I'm glad God's keeping track of that record book, Brother Mike. Some of us can't keep track of things for 30 seconds, and uh, God keeps track of it forever. Amen for that. Uh, Luke 18, verse number 35, And it came to pass that as he, uh, that is Jesus, was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging, and hearing the multitude pass by, He asked what it meant. There's a little insight that we did not see in Mark. Because he was blind, he didn't know it was Jesus. He didn't know who was coming. And so he had to ask the people there. He said, hey, what's the commotion? What's going on? Who's coming by? And so he asked them. He said, what what does it mean? Verse 37, and they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. In Mark 10, it says, thy faith hath made thee whole. And so, of course, it was his faith that uh, allowed him to be healed, but it was also his faith that saved him. uh, And by the way, that's the only way anybody gets saved. It's by faith. Uh, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Verse 43, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise Unto God, Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts and give us what we need uh, in the time that we have together this morning. I pray for our listeners on the radio, 
I pray for our listeners online, those on our website, those on our uh, Facebook and YouTube, those who, who could not physically be present here today, but those who are listening. I pray that you give them a special blessing. And I thank you that the Word of God is not bound. I thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that you are not limited to one location. I thank you that you can work anywhere and everywhere. And I pray that you would work here and work wherever this message goes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This blind man had a knowledge of Jesus before Jesus passed by on that road. You say, how do you know that? Well, I want you to notice what it says in Mark 10, and it says the same in Luke 18. But when this blind man, blind Bartimaeus, when he cried out to Jesus in verse 47, he said, Jesus, son of David. Now, now who was Jesus' real father? Help me out. This, he was the son of God, right? But Jesus' earthly father figure, he was not the father of Jesus, but he, maybe people could have thought he was the son of Joseph because Joseph was the, the father figure, humanly speaking. But Bartimaeus didn't say, thou son of God. He didn't even say, thou son of Joseph, but he said, thou son of David. What does that mean? Before we jump into Mark 10, I want you to hold your place, and I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 9, I want to give you just a little Bible study here for a few moments. And I want you to see what does it mean for this man to say, son of David. What is the significance of that? What is the importance of that? Well, Isaiah 9, verse number 6, I think you know this verse. We, we use it often about the deity of Christ, the fact that Jesus Christ is God. Because it says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Well, we could park there for a while, couldn't we? Just talk about how wonderful God is and how wonderful he's been to us. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And usually we stop there. But notice verse 7. We're talking about the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus Christ in the flesh. And verse 7, it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of who? David. And upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth even forever. Notice back in Isaiah 7. So the significance of Jesus being the son of David is that Jesus Christ was come to sit on the throne of David because God had promised David that there would be a king that would sit on that throne and that king would sit on the throne forever. That king would not have an end of his reign. He would not have an end of his authority. So look, look at Isaiah 7, please, verse number 13. And he said, hear now, uh, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will ye weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. There is a promise given to the house of David that from the house of David, there would come an Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. 
That's the name that was found in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, and she brought forth a son and called his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins, uh, and that it should be fulfilled that he would be called Emmanuel, meaning or being interpreted as God with us. Notice Isaiah chapter 11. Verse number one, these are promises given to, to, to David and to his lineage that from David would come the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Isaiah 11, verse one, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Now, who was Jesse? That was the father of David. So here's another promise concerning David and his kingdom uh, and his authority. Here is a promise that a rod would come out of the stem of Jesse and a branch, capital letter B. That word branch there, that is a reference to Jesus Christ, the branch that would come out of uh, the stem of Jesse. Verse 2, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge. Notice verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious." Now, this gets even better, folks, because here in uh, Isaiah 11, we find the prophecy that the Messiah was coming and he was going to sit on the throne of David and he was going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem. But Isaiah 11 says, guess what? The Gentiles are going to seek after him. Hallelujah for that. Because if you're in this room and you're not a Jew, that means that you didn't get left out. That means Jesus Christ came not just to save the Jew, but he came to save the Gentile. He came to save whosoever will may come. And there's a promise and a prophecy in Isaiah 11. Turn with me, please, to Jeremiah 23. You say, Pastor, why are you sharing all of the references about this? I'm not. I'm giving you just a few. But I want you to see the significance when Bartimaeus said, Thou son of David, he was making it very clear that he believed that Jesus was more than just a prophet. He was more than just a miracle worker. He was more than just a good teacher. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. And that's exactly what he was saying. Jeremiah 23, verse number 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved. And Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah said, can you, the Lord our righteousness. We get to the book of Luke and there's prophecy given that from the seed of David, the Messiah would come. Mary had her lineage traced back to David. Joseph had his lineage tracked back to David. We get to the book of Acts. Peter preaches at Pentecost and he says, hey, remember David? Well, guess what? God fulfilled that promise and God sent his son and Jesus Christ is the one that will establish a kingdom forever and ever and ever. And here we get in Mark chapter 10. <laughs> and here's an old blind man sitting on the side of the road begging for his next meal. Well, could I tell you something? He wasn't as blind as everybody thought. Oh, he may have been blind physically, 
But he had some spiritual vision. He had some spiritual insight. He knew enough to know that Jesus Christ was coming and that Jesus Christ was the son of David and Jesus Christ was the son of God. And friend, I'm here today to preach to you not about a church and not about a pastor and not about a religion and not about a denomination. I'm not here to try to tell you how you can make your life better. I'm telling you about a man that can change your life. I'm telling about somebody that can not just make your life better, but somebody that can give you eternal life. And his name is not Jeremy. And his name is not Victory Baptist Church. And his name is not the Baptist denomination. His name is Jesus. And he's the only one that can change you and make you whole like he did in Mark 10. I want you to notice quickly about Bartimaeus. Number one, I see his affliction. He had a problem. He was blind. He could not see. He was begging. He, he had no money. He had no resources. He had no income. He had no paycheck. He had no way to provide for himself. So he's sitting on the side of the road just begging for scraps, just begging for something just to stay alive. He was afflicted. He had a problem. He was blind. He was begging. I see he was broken. Now, I don't know all that happened. But I do know that his father is mentioned in Mark 10. His name, Bartimaeus, it means the son of Timaeus. That was his dad's name, Timaeus. Timaeus, that name means one who is highly prized, one of great value. I would assume that perhaps his dad was wealthy. Perhaps his dad had some power and perhaps his dad had some prestige or perhaps his dad was a, a great man. Something happened. I don't know what happened. Maybe his father died. Uh, maybe his uh, father was out of the picture. Maybe, and I hope not, but maybe his father rejected him. Maybe when his father discovered that his son was blind, maybe his father said, I want nothing to do with this child. I don't know exactly what the case is, but I know this. Bartimaeus doesn't have a father in his life. He doesn't have a mother in his life. He doesn't have a family member. So he is on his own, sitting by the side of the road, begging. He's got some problems. Friend, you may be here today. You're not physically blind, but you've got some spiritual blindness. That old devil's gotten a hold of you. That old devil has sold you a bill of goods. That old devil has blinded your eyes to what really matters. Maybe there's some people today that you need to get your eyes open and realize you've got more to live for. Maybe you need to get your eyes open and rejoice in the fact that you're saved and that God's got a plan and God's not done. Yes, the world maybe sees you as broken, but God sees you as a masterpiece that he can use for his honor and for his glory and for your good. Bartimaeus is afflicted. He's in trouble. Many people today are blind. They're blind by sin. They're blinded by Satan. They're blinded by stuff. So many people think that the only thing that really matters is how much money you have or how much, how big your house is or, or how nice your car is or how big your 401k is or, or how much position you have at a workplace. Friend, I want to tell you, a hundred years from now, none of that's going to matter because it's all going to be gone. Your riches, you'll leave. <laughs> your, riches, your, your wills or your bills, you will leave with the next generation. And what's going to matter is not what's down here, but what's going to matter is what you have laid up for eternity. The world is blinded. The world, people today are begging. Oh, they may not be begging for money, but people are poor spiritually. People are weak spiritually. People are without hope. They're without strength. Many people today are broken. I want to remind you that when your life is broken, Satan has no use for you. 
When your life is broken, Satan could care less about you. When your life is broken, you'll be like the prodigal son. You're going to end up in the pig pen because the people that used to be your friends, they will have nothing to do with you. But when your life is broken, there's still a heavenly father that loves you. And when your life is broken, there's a heavenly father that hasn't given up on you. And when your life is broken, God can take the broken pieces and he can put them back together. And he can do something great with your life. Bartimaeus, he had affliction, number one. Number two, he had anxiety. He was sitting by the highway side begging. Now think about this. He couldn't see. He didn't know who was coming. He didn't know what was coming. I'm sure there were times that he himself may have had something that was taken from him because he could not see to protect that. I am sure there was a lot of wondering. I'm sure it was helpless. I'm sure he had the feeling of wondering what the next day would bring. Would he have food to eat? Would he survive? the hardships of that life. He was dependent upon others. He could not help himself. He had anxiety. Number three, I see his attention. He heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. He couldn't see it, but he was listening. I believe that God had already been working on his heart. I don't think he'd ever met Jesus before, but he knew who Jesus was, and he knew what Jesus could do. Friend, I want to tell you, I hope today, I hope you're listening. I hope you're listening to God speaking. I hope you're listening to the Word of God because I want to tell you, it is no secret what God can do in your life. What He's done for others, He can do it for you. God is still on the throne. Yes, He is on the throne in heaven. But can I tell you, He's going to be on the throne forever and ever and ever. And He is in charge and He is in control. I see number three, the attention. This man's attention was on Jesus. Today, could, could we just get our attention back on Jesus? Could we get our attention back upon what God wants and what God is trying to do in our lives? Number four, I see the appeal. This man, Bartimaeus, as soon as he heard that it was Jesus. Can you imagine? He's on the, the highway, uh, the roadside. He's just begging and there's a commotion. He says, hey, who, who's coming? What's going on? And they said, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> hey! Jesus, I'm over here. And you know what the people did? Shh. It's like when you have a child and you're in a public place and your child is embarrassing you. What do you do? Hush, be quiet, zip it. You're, what, you're causing a commotion. I love this. They tried to keep Bartimaeus quiet. And you know what Bartimaeus did when they tried to keep him quiet? The same thing your children do to you when you try to keep them quiet. He got louder. The Bible says he cried out so much the more. Oh, no, you're not going to keep me quiet. Jesus is coming and I need him. And friend, I want to tell you, when people try to quiet you down, they try to quiet your prayer life and they try to quiet your praise life and they try to quiet down your testimony and they try to try to get you to think that that Jesus isn't worth living for. That's the time to speak up even more. That's the time to praise even more. That's the time to pray even more. And his appeal, he began to cry out. And the more they tried to keep him quiet, the louder he got. You say, why? Because he didn't need those people, but he sure did need Jesus. And friend, that's who you and I need today. We need Jesus. People don't have the answers. People don't have it all figured out. People don't have the solutions. But Jesus Christ does have the solution. The appeal, he began to cry out. You see, we have not, the Bible says, because we ask not. 
you're not bothering Jesus. Now, you may embarrass your family sometimes. <laughs> uh, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have a family member who embarrasses you sometimes, right? You may have a coworker that embarrasses you. You may have a friend that you cannot take out in public because they embarrass you. But I want to tell you this, you're not going to embarrass Jesus. You're not going to bother Jesus. You're not going to annoy Jesus. You're not going to, uh, Jesus isn't going to say, oh my goodness, who in the world is that and what are they doing? Can I tell you, Jesus wants to hear from you. He wants you to call. He wants you to cry. He wants you to ask. Ask and it shall be given unto you. I see his appeal, number four. Number five, I see the admonition. The people tried to keep him quiet. He may have been blind, but he still had a voice that he could use to cry out to God. And friend, you may be here, you may have an affliction. You may have a problem, you may have a setback, you may have a burden. Can I tell you, God can still use you in and with that affliction. Have you ever heard of uh, Fanny Crosby? Does that name ring a bell? Did you know she was blind? She became blind when she was six weeks old from a, a, a medical error. She lived her whole life blind. But you know what she did as a blind person? She wrote about 8,000 songs and hymns and used her blindness not as an excuse but as an opportunity to do something great. Songs like, To God Be the Glory. Songs like, Blessed Assurance. Songs like, Rescue the Perishing. She is the one who wrote those songs as a blind person. Don't let your setback, don't let your, your affliction be a reason why you can't serve God. You may not have a, a eyes to see, but maybe you can use your voice to get a hold of God. This man, he would not be silent. He cried out a great deal, the Bible says. Then I see number six, I see the acknowledgement. I love this. Verse 49, after he cries out again the second time, even louder, he says, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Look at verse 49. Would you read with me those first four verses in verse four, first four words in verse 49, ready? And Jesus stood still. Now think about that. The Bible says they're on the road. They're, they're walking, they're traveling, they're passing by. And friend, it was no accident that Jesus was passing by Bartimaeus' way that day. And it's no accident that Jesus is passing by your way. It's no accident that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you today. God's got something for you. But as Jesus is passing by, he hears that voice say, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that Jesus stood still. Whew. You imagine what that was like? I'm sure the crowd was like, uh-oh, what just happened? Who did it? Who's in trouble? What's going on? What's the reason? You know why Jesus stood still? Because there was somebody that was praying. There was somebody trying to get his attention. And I want to tell you, it is prayer that moves the hand of God. It is prayer that gets the attention of heaven. It is prayer that gets the focus of God. God is listening for his children to pray. But may you and I take the time to pray so that we can see, like Bartimaeus experienced, Jesus standing still. And he commanded him to be called. Bartimaeus got the attention of the master. God wants to hear our prayers. God is waiting for us to admit that we need him. They called Bartimaeus and they said, be of good cheer. Wait a minute. 
you guys were just telling him to shut up a minute ago. And now you're saying, hey, Bartimaeus, his great day. Come on over. And he's, they say this. They said this. The master calleth thee. You'll find that same expression in the gospel of John when Mary and Martha were talking to each other. And one said to the other, said, the master calleth for thee. And I tell you, Jesus cares about what's going on in your life. You matter to God. You may feel like there's so much going on that people don't even know or people don't realize or people don't understand or people don't get you. I want to tell you, Jesus knows what you're going through. He cares. And the acknowledgement, he got the attention of Jesus. This story started with a blind man calling for Jesus, but now Jesus is calling for the blind man. I see number seven. It says there that this man, when he heard the call of Jesus, verse 50, that he, casting away his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. You say, why was he casting away his garment? I don't know exactly what that garment was. Maybe it was a, a, a robe or maybe it was a blanket or something he used while he was on the side of the road to protect him from the weather. Maybe it was something to protect him from the dirt and the dust. And all. I don't know exactly what that was. But here's what I imagine. He's sitting on the side of the road and he's begging and he's blind. And when Jesus calls him, he's got this, this, this robe, he's got this coat, he's got this cloak, he's got this thing over him and he casts it aside. You say, why did he do that? I think he didn't want anything to be in the way, anything to hold him up, anything to trip him up, anything to keep him from getting to Jesus. He said, I've got to get all this junk out of the way because I've got to get to Jesus. And friend, today, maybe it's time to get some junk out of the way that's keeping you from getting to Jesus. It may not even be sinful. It may not even be wicked stuff. If it's sinful, of course you ought to get rid of it. But Hebrews 12 talks about this. It says, laying aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. But maybe there's some weights in your life. Maybe there's some hobbies. Maybe there's some uh, attractions. Maybe there's some amusements. Maybe there's some pleasures that are not, are not sinful in themselves. But anything that keeps you from getting to Jesus, you better get rid of that in a hurry. And he cast away his garment and he arose and he came to Jesus. Can I tell you, that's an action. He said, I've got to get to Jesus as soon as possible. And then lastly, number eight, I see the answer. It says in verse 51 that Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Can you imagine having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus and Jesus asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Wow. Wow. That's pretty awesome. You say, well, pastor, that would never happen for us. Well, that's interesting because in Hebrews, the Bible says that we as Christians, we can come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So the truth is you do have that opportunity. And I do have that opportunity. We've got that one-on-one. -on -one. And when you come before Jesus, Jesus says, what do you need? I'll tell you what we do sometimes. We think too small. 
well, I don't know, I really need this, or I really could use this, or whatever. Hey, why don't you think big? And I'm not talking about, oh, I really need a Corvette. I'm not talking about that. But why don't you think big like, I got a loved one that needs to be saved. I got somebody I've witnessed to, and I've witnessed to, and I've prayed, and I've prayed, and they still haven't got saved. Why don't you ask big? Why don't you pray for a wayward uh, a family member? Or why don't you pray for a backslidden friend? Or why don't you pray for a miracle? Maybe it's a health need. Maybe it's a spiritual need. Maybe it's a relationship need. Why don't you ask something big? Because there's nothing too big for God. Now, it may be too big for you or me, but it's never too big for him. He says, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Hmm. That blind man got more than his sight that day. He got saved. He got born again. I think it's possible he may have already been saved because he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew he was the son of David. But I know one thing, whether he got saved before or he got saved then, by the time this meeting was over, Jesus said, thy faith hath made thee whole. And in Luke, he says, thy faith hath saved thee. I believe this man got eternal life. I believe this man got a home in heaven. I believe this man asked for his sight and God gave him a whole lot more. And friend, I want to tell you, our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's the answer. The man got his sight back. What if you had been blind for many years, in this case, maybe since birth, we don't know. But what if you'd been blind for a long time? I thank the Lord for glasses. If I didn't have glasses, I would be blind. I mean, almost, almost. Um, I thank God for that. But, but can you imagine if, if you could not see and God healed you? There'd be a lot of things you'd want to see. There'd be some people you'd want to see. There'd be some places you'd want to see. There'd be some things you'd want to experience with your sight. But when God healed this man, he didn't go to see his family. He didn't go to see his friends. He didn't go to see some beautiful place he'd heard all about. He said, there's only one thing I want to see. The Bible says he followed Jesus. He said, I just want to see more of Jesus. I just want to be close to him. I just want to walk with him. I just want to glorify him. I just want to praise him. I just want to do what I can for him. And friend, I want to tell you, that ought to be our desire as well. We just want to see more of Jesus. Uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Fanny Crosby, near the end of her life, she was speaking with a pastor. The pastor made the comment to her and said, Mrs. Crosby, uh, I just, she was married. She kept that name, Fanny Crosby. But he said to her, he said, I, I, just, I feel so bad that you have lived your whole life without your vision, without your sight. And Fanny Crosby said, don't feel bad for me that I've been blind. She said, I think it's one of the greatest things God could have ever given me. And I quote, she said, because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. And she wrote that song, When My Life Work Is Ended and I Cross the Other Side, my Savior will be the first 
to welcome me. And friend, let's today, let's get our eyes back on Jesus. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you need your blindness healed. You need your spiritual blindness healed. And I got good news for you. Jesus can take care of that. If you are saved, if you, if you know Christ as Savior, but maybe your eyes have become dim because of all the things of this world, it's time to get your spiritual vision back in check. It's time to get some spiritual glasses. It's time to have a spiritual eye exam to get our focus back on where it needs to be. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.